What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man, well, whose family has grown by a boy, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. Yes, indeed. We um, had the wonderful wedding of our second daughter this weekend on Saturday, and I now have another son, albeit a son-in-law, but I take him as a, as a full-fledged son now, so... It was great. We were, we were all, we'd be right down to our own son who was just moved by the whole event. And I, there wasn't a dry eye as, as so many people said. You know what I loved about the setup of the wedding this time around, because the first wedding was pandemic. We were limited by masks and number of people and, and even our time inside of the church this time around. Well, we, we didn't have those limitations. And I remember waiting in the back of church in the narthex and everybody was lining up. We were preparing to go in. We had a couple of minutes and I looked and I realized that all of the bridesmaids, both of our daughters were in line, which meant our daughter was back in the bride room by herself. And I'm like, why are you guys here? You've left your sister alone. And they said, no. The wedding coordinator, who is our friend Carissa, who did an amazing job helping us through, she timed it so that way the five minutes before the start of the wedding, she had everybody leave the bridegroom. And she gave Amanda just a few minutes to just center herself, to pray, and to emotionally and mentally prepare herself to take on these next steps. Now, you had not seen her all morning. And so when I realized that, we processed in and then around the corner, the first time you got to see your daughter in her wedding dress, that beautiful blusher over her face. Well, that's good to know that because she was she was far more calm and collected than I was. (laughs) So she did. She came around that corner just like she's ready to run the race, whatever that was. She was she was all in. So when she came up to me, I. I said something to her, like I said to Alyssa, our oldest daughter, when she got married, but an authentic response just to how much I love her, how beautiful she looked and how proud I am of her. Absolutely. And then what I do is I sit in my pew. I was escorted in by our first son-in-law is that as we waited, I saw you come in and it was just such a beautiful sight. And as many people do, I look back and I looked at our son-in-law to see him when he sees his bride for the first time. And uh, he just was filled, filled with emotion. The other part of that mass that was so special to me, and I had kind of arranged this with our daughter and with my mother, was the special Mary dedication. Now, I had planned this ahead. I had prepared a small bouquet of seven white roses. And I did that number specifically to represent the joys and the sorrows of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, when my mother was escorted into her seat, she brought that bouquet in with her. And then right after communion, she got up, she brought those roses over to Amanda and to Berwyn, and she blessed them. And in a way that my grandmother, that I remember when I was a little girl, my grandmother used to bless us. 
it was absolutely 100% appropriate for a grandmother to bless her grandchild. Absolutely. Yeah. I think what people tend to think is that uh, bishops, priests, and deacons have a powerful, more powerful presence to bless children and grandchildren, when in fact, it's absolutely the opposite. The parents and grandparents have been given the responsibility fully by God to raise this gift, this child, and in so doing, to constantly give them blessing. Now, it's not, it's not at all inappropriate to ask a priest or, or bishop or deacon to do that, obviously. That adds to it, but it's the connection of prayer that the church has with the parent and the grandparent. And so that was so valuable to see. And I couldn't even watch. I was just so emotional for me because the cantor sang a gentle woman, which I was my lullaby for all of the kids raising them through the years and singing them to sleep at night. <laughs> yes. And that was the other beautiful part, because as we were preparing the mass together, Amanda had chosen that song because this is the song that dad would sing to us. So it was a beautiful day. We remained calm as best we could. There were moments where frustrations tried to get in there because we felt so responsible for the guests and family that had come from so far away and locally too, to ensure that they had a wonderful time. Those frustrations though, can get the best of you. And we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that today because Scott, this week, well, the great Dr. Ray Garandi joined us on the morning blend. So I'm going to play that interview again with he and my co-host on the morning show, David, because Dr. Ray's new book is called Living Calm, Maintaining Anger and Frustration. It's a great book. I think it speaks to all of us, maybe speaks to you a little bit more than others too. Yes, yes. Frustration and anger varies by people, and we want to talk about that uh, in this in this segment. So we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Stay with us. Marriage is for better or for worse. The young and foolish never think for worse will ever come. We enter marriage thinking our spouses are going to be the balm for all our wounds. Sometimes they are. Other times, a spouse is like the diagnosing hand pushing on your arm to see exactly where it's broken. Ouch! But the goal is your healing. Divorce statistics are often misunderstood. About 50% of people who enter marriage, they don't end up divorced. 50% of marriages end up in divorce because so many people get married and divorced multiple times. God keeps trying to heal them again and again through the person they fall in love with, but when the pain comes, they take off again. When you're facing hard times and romantic phrases feel forced, try these words, I will never leave you. That's a more profound expression of love than you could have ever uttered when you were young and infatuated. And your faithfulness is also how God will heal you. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. One of the many ways you can help Mater Day Radio is by supporting our Leadership Circle members. These are businesses and organizations whose names you hear on the air every day. They believe in our mission of providing the region with positive Catholic radio programs. Our Leadership Circle members keep our broadcast strong through their financial generosity. How can you find out more about our Leadership Circle members? Go to our website at materdayradio.com and click on the Get Involved menu. You'll be learning about a great group of people.
It's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Dei Radio. Well, looking around the city, sometimes it can be a little frustrating. Maybe get you even a little angry when driving through the streets of Portland. Even when you get on the freeway, boy, traffic can be tough. And then, well, you come to a bridge lift. (laughs) Well, are you in control of your emotions? And especially, though, does your anger get control and master you? Well, in his new book, Living Calm, Master Anger and Frustration, Dr. Ray Garendi cuts to the heart of the matter to help you determine whether your anger response is justified. Dr. Ray unpacks the many types of anger and the types people who suffer from the most. Now, you can listen to Dr. Ray every weekday right here at Mater Day Radio, giving sage advice, 10 a.m. Or you can hear him right now, Dr. Ray Garendi, joining us this morning to tell us more about his new book. Good morning, Dr. Ray. Thanks for joining the Morning Blend. Brenda, uh, did you have to use the word sage? You know, that's tantamount <laughs> to old. Is that never? We would never consider anything. But, you know, wisdom is ancient, Dr. Ray. We just regurgitate it in new different ways. But everything that we have gone through, it's probably already happened before in the past. Well, if wisdom is ancient, I got to be about as old as it gets. <laughs> Oh, well, this is a great new book because, boy, it feels like, Dr. Ray, anger, frustration, that is an everyday occurrence. And it seems like it's happening more and more. What's the benefit? Why would God give us such a thing as anger when it causes all of us so many troubles? There's good anger and there's bad anger. There's righteous anger and there's right-filled anger. Two reasons, Brenda, to get your anger under control. One, nobody likes to live in a state of agitation. Nobody likes to be trip switch, that anything anybody says, anything anything happens, anything comes out of the ordinary during their day sets them for two hours, four hours, three days. Nobody likes to live like that. Personally, that's one. But the other one is this. I don't know about you, but most of my unchristian behavior toward others has not come because I'm sad. It's not come because I'm anxious. It's not come because I'm shy. It's because I was angry and frustrated. So to the degree that I get my own anger under control, I'm also a better Christian. I'm wondering too, Dr. A, it's interesting with people because you know this, you you run across people that just always seem perpetually happy or calm no matter the circumstances. Then on the other spectrum, you have those people that always seem angry and agitated. What What's the difference there? How, are, are people just hardwired differently? Absolutely. We're all hardwired differently for all kinds of ways. There's no question about that. But let's say you're, you're hardwired towards equanimity, peace of mind, easygoingness. Okay, you don't have to work as hard. Stuff doesn't stress you as much. But let's say you're hardwired, agitated, easily upset, okay? Then you recognize that you have to work a little harder. I'll draw a parallel to alcoholism. Most of the research says there's a 25% genetic physiological component to becoming an alcoholic. Well, does that mean... An alcoholic has a reason to be an alcoholic? No, he has to work a little harder at not letting that co-opt his life. It's the same thing with anger. If I'm an intense individual, and I'm Italian, so Italian, intense, synonymous, 
if that's the case, then I have got to work harder in my own mind. And that's what, by the way, guys, that is where anger is controlled. It's controlled in the mind. Anger is not just an emotion. It's also a thought. And you've got to understand your thinking to control your actions. Dr. Ray Garendi joining us this morning. His new book, Living Calm, Master Anger. Well, you talk about that being a state of mind, but I know, Dr. Ray, for myself, when that anger takes control, you might be able to make that decision to calm down, but you are definitely having a a physical response. Does it take time? I mean, do you have to physically let hormones or emotions kind of work themselves out before you can maybe get level-headed again? Brenda, if you're in the midst of an, an outrage... And at that moment, I say to you, stop right now, and I will give you $1 million. And you saw the banker's check in my hand, and you believed me. You would stop in a nanosecond. Right now. Right now. And even though you said, when I get angry, I can't control myself. When I get angry, I can't help what comes out of my mouth. When I get angry, my emotions just take over. Uh Uh-uh. When you get angry... You let your emotions take over because you decide it's not worth it to stop. If I gave you $10,000, would you stop? How about $1,000? How about saying uh, you're really going to hurt your spouse's feelings if you say this? See, it it all comes down to what motivates us to stop. So are there tools, Dr. Ray, that we can utilize? Are there things that we can do to help us control our emotions, some, some training, some tricks of the trade, however you want to phrase it. If somebody came to you and said, this is what I do, this is how irritable I am at home, you'd probably have some pretty decent advice about it. You'd say, stop taking it so personal if your wife criticizes you, or uh, count to 10 before you shoot off your mouth, or, or recognize that people are going to act in ways you don't like, and that's the way it is. Or they have always been that way. What do you expect anything different now? So you would give them good counsel. But why don't you counsel yourself? Why don't you look at your own thoughts, your own interpretation of events, and say, what am I, what am I telling myself here to get myself so agitated? You know, if my father-in-law is an opinionated, criticized the Catholic Church, I'm stupid because I think differently kind of guy, then I've known him for 28 years. Why am I still getting upset over the way he is? This is not news. And I need to tell myself that. I need to keep hammering it into my head. The idea that I can't control how other people act. Most, most frustration and anger is people or the world are not acting the way I want them to. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ray, you had just mentioned about being Italian and how that's kind of wired you in a certain way. Dr. Ray, I am also Italian on my father's side, but to do uh, one better, I'm also uh, Hispanic on my mother's side. I'm a Mexican-Italian. In our house growing up, there was not an emotion that wasn't fully expressed at the moment that it was felt at that exact moment. And then as instantly as things would fire up, it would settle down. Now, is venting a way to kind of keep anger from getting way out of control rather than just like, you know, swallowing that frustration and just pushing forward and then, boy, one little trigger at the end of the day and a whole year's worth of emotion and distress explodes and just some poor person has to be the brunt of that. 
speaking of trigger, Brenda, mm-hmm. how long does it take for a shotgun blast to go off? A second? Half a second? Yes. Less? Well, that's not really very long. Uh, how much damage can a shotgun do? Immense. Yes. Immense. So when you when you say, uh, I, I have to vent, I have to get it out. You know, I, I shotgun it out. And then I'm better. No, you're not. When you vent, you usually say a lot of things you regret. You feel guilty. You feel bad later. So venting is a bad thing. It's a habit you can get into that more or less allows you to say what you want to say under your peak of emotion. Venting is dumb. It's good for dryers. It's not good for people. What tends to happen, old psychological theories say, is when you vent, it's catharsis. You get it out. You're calm now. No, that's not true at all. Better research says when you vent, you get into a habit of venting. And who knows what you're going to say during that venting time. You're not going to develop an ulcer. You're not going to go crazy. You're not going to stew for nine hours because you don't say it. There's been research in psychology that says if you can let the urge pass to say something you're going to regret, and you know you're going to regret it, let the urge pass, you will actually feel better. Mm. Absolutely. Well, it is out by EWTN. Uh, you can find it on their web page, also through Sophia Institute Press, Living Calm, Master Anger and Frustration. It is out by the great Dr. Ray Garendi. Hey, I just got to ask you too, Dr. Ray, before we let you go here, you know, speaking of your training and, and talking to people, do you find that folks with a strong prayer life have a tendency to not have as much anger in their lives. It's very difficult to change yourself if you don't think that God wants you to change. If you don't believe that Jesus is God and that he has the best way to live, the only reason for you to change is because of natural repercussions. That isn't, that isn't anywhere near as strong a motive as saying, I am not to act this way as a Christian. The Lord has told me how I am supposed to act. That is my motive. And you're right. The more you pray, the stronger that motive gets. Oh, fantastic. A wonderful book. Dr. Ray, we could talk all morning about this, but we are coming up against our break. Tell our listeners where, again, they can find that book and more of your resources, because, boy, your webpage, constantly getting great things put up. Two places quickly, EWTNRC, which is their catalog, or drray.com, which is my website. My books on my website are all are all signed, not by me, by my kids in crayon, but you'll notice that. <laughs> oh, that would be a great gift. Well, Dr. Ray, thank you so much for your time today. Boy, a timely book indeed, especially for all of us here on the uh, West Coast and the Pacific Northwest. Well, we got a lot of things to be angry about, but there are great ways that we can always look forward and look forward to God. We look forward to hearing you at 10 o'clock coming up real soon. Dr. Ray, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you guys so much. I'll talk to you. Things are looking up. I know above the clouds the sun is shining. Mm-hmm. Things are looking up. Love is still the answer I'm relying So, Scott, anger and frustration, it gets all of us. But the way that anger is an emotion and we do have to remember it is a gift from God. There are benefits to that because it alerts us to something, an injustice of some kind and requires a response. But it's the response 
the way that we choose to be, that's the part that gets us in trouble. It can be difficult for both of us to remain calm at times. It tends to be, though, that I kind of manage it differently for you. I I think you fall into that category of you're kind of wired to respond aggressively to anger. Right. I I certainly feel more the uh, sentiment of St. Peter, (laughs) who who I hear my third person tell me, get behind me, Satan, um, because I get ahead of Christ. When when you get angry and it goes from righteous anger to self-righteous, it's sometimes hard to, at least for a passionate person, to, to see that crossover. But once you enter into self-righteous anger, uh, inflamed anger, it, it actually creates a chemical response that it takes a few minutes to, to get it to, to calm down. Well, what I've better learned, I haven't mastered by any means, but better learned through our, our 33 years of marriage is, is how to cut that fuse so that it doesn't burn down to that point more often than not. And I have to say in my, in my years, um, you know, that I've, I've gotten better at that, but, uh, but when it goes, it, I have to leave the premises because I'm just, I have this aura of anger and frustration that affects people. They feel it. Right. And I look, I might look the same, but it's something they feel. So I can emote that out of my uh, very being. And I don't, I don't like that. So I typically leave the premises, regain my composure, come back. But, but Dr. Ray just had some great connections on the biology of it. And I think one of the things he's mentioned in, in your interview was, you know, how people that are prone to uh, become alcoholic or addicted processes, there, there's a small, smaller percentage that are, but they have to do more to exactly. address that. And so I, I, rec- I was so comforted by that because I realized, well, I have to do more to keep that anger in check and frustration in check. And I just have to accept that. And so I'm, I'm learning techniques. The countdown is I'm, I'm saying one through 10 all the time. <laughs> but Oh, no doubt. Now, as an extrovert myself, not only does that mean that I get excited when there's a party and I get sad if I'm not invited to it, but being extrovert means that I take in the atmosphere around me. Right. And so for me, which is what is so caring for you is you understand that. And when you get upset, my feelers immediately experience that frustration, too, for you. And then now I'm offset where I was all happy and calm. And now I feel off kilter because of that. It's the way that that married couples live each other's lives together. It's uh, it's important to learn techniques also to get through those things. Now, Mm -hmm. I also mentioned in that interview with Dr. Ray. Now, on my mother's side of the family, we are Mexican. My father is Italian. And there was not an emotion that is fully felt and expressed the moment that it was felt in my household. That's just how we did things. And I always believed that these small little eruptions, you know, whenever they happened, were a good thing because it kept it from really exploding, maybe down the line. Dr. Ray definitely had a different opinion about that because he said, you know, imagine just a single shot, you know, out of a gun. Well, it's just one little shot. It's not a whole arsenal, right? But that one shot can do a lot of damage. And so it was good to hear him say that. Not that I feel like I was damaged, but what I realized when he was saying that is, 
there are better ways to do that, to just let right. that those venting out. Now, that's not to say that you don't come home or I don't come home after a difficult day and stuck in traffic, that I don't just kind of spew and throw all of that frustration out. It's because I, I, I need you to help lift me up and I needed you to understand what's going through that. That's different. That's different because you want to share in that frustration and help me manage that and feel better. So that way, you know, I don't spill that all over the household uh, because we want to have a pleasant evening. Definitely right. different ways to think about it. Yeah, I think, you know, that um, there, there's a, a fine line between mercy, mercy for the person themselves to be merciful on, on themselves, but also the mercy of the spouse or the, or the family member or friend who's receiving the anger from from me or, you know, from the person there's mercy involved, but then there's, it, it can go beyond to excuse. And I think that's what Dr. Ray was getting at, that we can excuse outbursts almost as if that should just be normal. But in fact, we need to work towards the peace that Christ promises us and not let things draw us away. If we're drawn away, it's not because Christ made us get drawn away. We allowed ourselves to be drawn away and to remember that we have gifts to combat the frustration and anger. And truly, truly, the devil seeks to play on our passions. And if it is, if you have a, a propensity for anger, if you have a propensity for frustration, the devil's going to use that to his advantage against you. And so when you are facing something like that, to say a quick prayer, Jesus, I trust in you. I'm mm -hmm. burned out. Mary, pray for me. Joseph, pray for me. To just say something that connects you back to whose are you? Well, I'm Christ's. I'm not the devil's. And so if I, if I, if I get overly frustrated and, and explode in anger, I could be the one shot that does damage. And I thought that was so impressive that he said that. I don't want to be that one shot. Mm, absolutely. Well, if you find yourself today feeling that anger and frustration get the best of you, well, a prayer to Christ and intercession of the saints will definitely get you through. Scott, before we go, will you end us in prayer? Yes. Lord, we thank you for the passions to live this life that you've laid out before us, the path that we are on. Help us to live that calmly. Help us to trust in you and lean into you when we are led astray to be encouraged not to enter into frustration, not to let anger get the best of us. As Mary and Joseph accepted so much in their lives and raising you, help us as parents to accept what we can address and act on what we can act on based on our trust in you, Lord. We ask you to always pour your grace over us and allow us to be open to that grace. In your holy name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith our family, and our view from the pew. God bless and have a tremendously calm week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Monterey Radio in Portland, Oregon.